The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's eight minutes after eight. And, uh, of course, this morning, uh, discussing once again something that tends to get South Africans very hot under the collar. Once we start talking money, people start telling us about uh, the taxes that they pay, the taxes which all of us pay, of course. And um, they, they, they always feel like they want people to be accountable with regard to how this money is spent. Now, yesterday, Public Works Minister Tulas Nesi uh, said that irregular expenditure of billions of rands by his department is shocking, to quote him. A staggering 34.9 billion rands was misspent by by the department and of this total 1.1 billion rand was suspected to have been lost to fraud and corruption so at the forum at 8 this morning we ask how can we stop the misuse of state resources that's the question the lines are open as always 0891 so you can start dialing alternatively you can tweet us at am live on safm or my personal account at sakina kamwendo or send us an sms to 34701 our guest this morning we have mr cox mohoro who is a chief financial officer at the department of public works in joburg studios with us thanks for coming through Thanks, ma'am, and thanks uh, to your listeners as well. And joining us on the line is Director of the Public Service Accountability Monitor, uh, Jay Cruz. Uh, Jay, thanks for your time as well. Good morning, and good morning to both of you and your listeners. Now, uh, here's the thing for me. The minister says he is shocked. Um, I'm also shocked, and South Africa is shocked. But, you know, the question then obviously becomes, uh, Cox, so what? You know, what are we supposed to make of the numbers that we are seeing? These are huge numbers. It's a lot of money. This is one department that we are speaking about. How did this happen? Thanks, Sakina. Uh, Maybe one should uh, just try and put uh, perspective to these numbers. Uh, The number is 34.9 billion rents, almost 35 billion rents, of which if you look at the number of years where the irregularity could have happened is over a five-year period. It's not a single-year uh, number. It's a, a, a number that transcends or it's a cumulative number for a five-year period and beyond. Uh, so that's that's really what, what it is. Uh, yes, it would be shocking if it was a single financial year figure. It is the number that indicates what we have detected over a five-year period which has been disclosed for the first time this year. Uh, just to give you an indication of how far we had to go, we had to review 1.3 million transactions over this period, which then to the tune of almost about 90 billion rands, that gives us uh, the indicative number of what's uh, said to be irregular. I think it's important to also give a perspective as to what irregular expenditure means. Uh, Irregular expenditure does not necessarily mean fraud. Those eventualities of fraud we've isolated, ring-fenced, and are dealing with them uh, quite quite extensively. Uh, The balance is irregular, and irregular could be because people have not followed a particular process, which is established. They have flouted the rules and that kind of thing, but not necessarily fraudulent. So what happens is, uh, because now we know what, what, what's facing us, the staggering number, we're going to have to take it through another process of investigation to determine who did what, when, and under what circumstances so that the appropriate sanction can be meted unto them. So yes, the next phase will be 
a consequence management dealing with this matter, which will take us some time given the volumes that are uh, involved. So yes, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's the perspective that I wanted to provide. Are you able to break those numbers down for us? Uh, you spoke about five years and, uh, you know, even beyond yeah. that. Uh, <clears throat> so, so are you able to break that down? I can break it down for you. Uh, 2009-10, the number is about 22.6 billion rands, which is about 65% of the total. 10-11 uh, is about 4.9 billion. 11-12 financial year, it's about uh, 3.7. 12-13 uh, is about 3.1. And uh, the year that we just left is about uh, 0.6, which gives us that 34.9 billion. Now, why is the number or the figure for 910 such a staggering big number? I'll explain it in the following manner. Uh, when the minister took office uh, in the latter part of uh, uh, 2011, to be exact, around November 2011, he came in, and at that time the department was uh, characterized by acute levels of underperformance, uh, maladministration, uh, uh, malpractices, uh, which were all in the public domain, as as reported uh, then. He then took a step back and said, well, as minister, what do I do in this situation? And he called for it that uh, the department requires a, a vigorous and aggressive turnaround intervention to turn it away from the direction it's uh, facing into a better one. And uh, so early in 2012, we amassed a team of people who then started to do a process of a deep diagnostic of exactly knowing what the problems are. One of the indicators of the negativity in the department was the Auditor, uh, Auditor General's report, which as from, effective from 910, which is the year 910, had started to attract negative audit opinions to the extent of disclaimers from 910. Prior to 910, which is 8-9, financial 2008-9, the department had uh, unqualified audit reports. So in actual fact, as a reference point, 309-10 became the point from where we should be starting to work. Because if you only concentrate on doing things from 12 onwards, you still have a baggage that you need to rectify and clean up so that you can then deal with the issues of these negative uh, order outcomes. You have to go to the, to, the, to, to the time when they originated. So that's why we had to go back to the transactions of 910, which is a five-year from now, if you look at, at it back, backwards. We had to look at it from 910 and look at the transactions and the payments that happened in that year. Now, the payments that happened in that year, some of which were, had originated in terms of contracts years before, as far back, uh, back as 2001, which you also have to quantify, and if you've determined that to be irregular, quantify and start to deal with. And that's mm. why the number is so large. So the number for 910 is 22.61, precisely because of the other uh, uh, contractual obligations that you had coming, uh, coming back from the time when they originated, and that's the figure that we have. Now let's get uh, Jay Cruz in on the conversation. Jay, what's your response to uh, these figures that have just been broken down for us? Look, it's very worrying, and one of the, the, the few positives is that we had seen a decline in the extent of the irregular expenditure over the period that, that Mr. Mohoro discusses, um, and that, that's, that's some, some good news to come of it. Um, what, we, what we remain concerned about is the, 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 the considerable divide between the non-compliance of the law and the action being taken against those implicated. And it's encouraging to see the Minister um, assuring the public that 
disciplinary action will be instituted. Um, but we would we would all contend that over and above that, we need criminal action to follow. Uh, the perception is is out there um, at at a national level as well as at a provincial level that um, the consequences that should follow in accordance with the law do not do, are not complied with, and people get away with it. Mm. And, uh, of course, you know, just looking at some of the messages coming through, because I want to bring the audience in as soon as possible, because uh, generally we are stretched for time. 891 is the number to dial. But here's a, here's a comment on uh, the SMS line from Joel in Port Elizabeth. Joel says, please explain the difference between fruitless expenditure, misappropriation of funds, unauthorized expenditure, irregular expenditure, and the theft of public funds. What's the difference? Uh, yeah, fruitless and wasteful expenditure is expenditure that's being incurred for which no value was derived. That means uh, you had to go buy the bread for government. You did not buy the bread, but the expenditure was incurred. We paid so for the bread. So you stole. So there's nothing that you got. So that was just, or you bought something that you actually did not, instead of going to buy bread, you went to bought bricks. So you couldn't eat the bricks. So you've bought something that you're not going to use. It's just fruitless and wasteful expenditure. Isn't this just getting us bogged down in technicalities when at the end of the day, what it boils down to is that whatever needed to be procured, whatever needed to be done, wasn't done. And as such, if you take it to its logical conclusion, it does ultimately result in fraud or theft. Yeah. uh, Well, you wanted to come in? Yes, Jay. If I may come in there, not necessarily. Look, the, the... the, the, the various terms that are used are are, con- are are listed in the Public Finance Management Act. So there's a definition for each term. And then the, 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 the law then obligates the state to take certain action where expenditure of a certain type is, is, is committed or found to be um, uh, have, have been caused. And the Auditor General has to express an opinion. Is this fruitless and wasteful? Is this irregular? Or is this unauthorized expenditure? And then there are steps that need to be followed by the, the head of department or director general or the chief financial officer. And um, I think it's important to make the distinction that not all irregular expenditure is fraud. Um, what, what the Auditor General constantly reminds the public is that irregular expenditure creates the space for fraud to occur. Irregular expenditure is defined as expenditure other than unauthorized expenditure, which is which is incurred in contravention of a law. And the law is, is designed to avoid misuse and abuse. And where there is non-compliance with the law, it creates an environment where unscrupulous um, misconduct can occur. And, and, and we need to close those gaps so that we get value for money, that we get services that, that are needed, and, and ultimately that we develop as a country. Mm. Now, there seems to be a downward trajectory from the numbers that you have given us. However, you know, one cannot help but question the oversight role of uh, the various entities in that Mm -hmm. chain. Why is that not happening to the extent where 20 years in, you would think that we would have stemmed this tide? Sure. (laughs) From my perspective, (laughs) certainly our experience is that Oversight by, by provincial legislatures and municipal councils at local government, as well as parliament, is very weak. It's nowhere near the standard required. Uh, we, we, we found that often um, people who need to answer questions don't appear before these committees, don't answer questions. They send a delegate or a, or a, or a junior staff member who isn't adequately placed and who isn't um, to know, fully aware of, of the extent of the problems. And, and, and that's certainly an, an experience. We found that the electoral system in this country needs a revamp in that we have 
parliamentarians towing the party line and not being robust in their oversight responsibilities. And we have an abundance of evidence produced by the Auditor General and other Chapter 9 institutions supporting corrective action and and, and sending out a, a strong message to public servants and service providers who, who deliver on behalf of the state that if you under-deliver, there will be, there will be harsh consequences. And, and until we have those, those structures in place and that they are functioning, we'll continue to see this. We've seen across the, the, the nine provinces, um, if one looks at their performance, the public works division of each department, there are, there are repeat offenders there at provincial level. We have the Eastern Cape, which has regressed in terms of its performance in the public works arena. We also have the Northwest which has received a disclaimer in 2012-13, as well as Limpopo, who, who have remained unchanged. Um, we've seen improvement in the Northern Cape and in the Western Cape, but the others have either regressed or, or remain unchanged in terms of their performance as a public works department at provincial level. Mm. Mr. Mokoro, if they are repeat offenders, it begs the question then, how many people have been charged or held accountable? Uh I think we've we've uh, we've reported quite extensively in terms of the interventions that we put in place and the actions that we are taking uh, against perpetrators. I mean that's all, you know, public there. A fair number of senior officials and officials in the department, service providers have been actually hauled before the courts. Uh, officials have been dismissed. Uh, we having cases that are coming up to the court uh, around November of fairly. Prominent and 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 and, and high-level uh, cases were relating to irregularities around the leases and that. So yes, uh, the, the 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 renovations to ministerial houses and that. So I think uh, there's there's a concerted effort, you know, that we are putting into this whole thing to ensure that we stem out uh, this uh, misdemeanors that are happening rampantly. I think the minister has taken a resolve, and I think that's really what we want to. Uh, 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 impress upon the listeners that uh, around the issues of oversight, I think uh, our experience to date is that the oversight bodies that are there are starting to really get very, very robust and vigorous in terms of an aggressive, in terms of us having to account. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we are experiencing now. So things are improving. Internally within the department itself, I think the minister has put it put down his foot. Uh, we've set up a new governance risk and uh, compliance branch that will do nothing else but have a microscopic view of the issues around compliance at, at operational level. So really what we, what we are saying is we've come up, we did not want to hide anything and sweep it underneath the carpet. We want to show openness, transparency, and a resolve that we want to entrench the issues uh, of, of accountability within the department. Hence, we've come up with this. It is not to say we, we, we want to just hide things and we could have just uh, kept quiet. No, that's not the, the, the intention. Mr. Cox Mohoro, who is Chief Financial Officer in the Department of Public Works. Also with us, Jake Cruz, who is the Director of the Public Service Accountability Monitor. And this morning on the Forum at 8, we're asking you, how can we stop the misuse of state resources? 0891 is the number to dial. Tweet or Facebook at AMLive at SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Or you can send us an SMS to 34701. Let's go to the lines. Uh, KGM in Cape Town. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to your guest. Sakina, um, you know this, this sugar-coating of, of politicians and office bearers in the public sector, it, it's really, really irritating. 
if if you were to have this scenario in the in the in the in the in the in the business world, like, you know, these people would be fired. You know, let, let's let's appreciate the fact that uh, the the so-called effort. Let let me break it down with a simple example, and I'll finish it off. Sakina, thirty-four point nine billion. We are fifty-eight. We are said to be estimated at fifty-eight million. Make it sixty million. Do you know that we could afford from this money that has been wasted? And and this is thirty-eight that they are telling us. It's it's not what we 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 don't know. It's what they are telling us. If if somebody was to go there. And, and do an independent investigation. This is one department, which you, which is what what your 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 your, your discussion is is based on this morning. Can you imagine that we can afford to actually give one house household in South Africa a million and plus? Can you imagine what difference that would make? Now we're talking forty-eight billion. There's a whole lot of money that that's being so-called misspent and all these romanticized. When are these people going to learn to be accountable? And the third part is this, Sakina. This is done by people who are supposedly learned. This is done by the people who claim to care about people. People are going are, are, are going home mm. ablated without food, without shelter, without basic needs of life. Can these people wake up and smell the coffee and stop getting the people on the so-called people on the ground to suffer? Thirty-eight point okay. nine billion is a lot of money. All right. Thanks, KGM in uh, Cape Town. Let's go to Sabelo in Pretoria. Good morning, Sabelo. Thank you very much for a very interesting debate and the clarity that has been given by Cox. But one of the things that I've picked up from the of the minister was that some of the problems have to do with incomplete documentation and incorrect approval. Today is the question of capacity, particularly on finances. I just want to check from Cox whether we have been able to, to appeal to the call of minister that he wants professional people, particularly on the side of finance. Can can you explain that? Because there are a number of unemployed professional youth with because how far have we gone that? The last one that I want to raise, if you want to take South Africa forward, we know about the initiatives of government to deal with issues of fraud and corruption. One of the things that has been raised is that public officials won't be involved with business with government. One of the issues that was raised is the question of centralizing big tenders. The missing point, which is a common denominator in all these reports, are private companies. Because it takes a corruptee and a corrupter to be involved. What are we doing to deal with issues of other accounting bodies of private companies? Because if you read the report, 23 companies or more were involved. What are we doing? Thank All right. Thank you so much uh, there, Sabelo. Let's speak to uh, Mike in Eisner. Good morning. Morning. I, I have but one word to say. It is Nkandla. And until we recognize that this starts at the top and we deal with it effectively, we are wasting our time. I'll listen on the radio. Thank you, Mike. And in Cape Town, good morning. I'd like to just read out a few uh, uh, things that I've got from the paper here. 2009. 2009, damage estimated is 1,600,000. Equipment, 120,000. Books, 800,000. October 2009, 18 people were arrested. The damage estimated to furniture equipment, 100,000. Books, 750,000. In February 2010, 
Belfast, um, building 2,500,000 equipment, 380,000 books, 1,120,000. In April the 15th, 2011, at Vicksburg, uh, the, 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 the library set a light that 760,000. In, um, oh in 12, uh, 1912, Rotunda Library, Heidelberg, uh, they seven. Eleven mm-hmm. million, no, one million one hundred eight oh seven books, all were destroyed. The damage estimated at two million nine hundred fifty seven thousand six hundred fifteen. In two thousand and twelve, the municipality was set alight, um, and were released. It's five hundred thousand. They were released on five hundred thousand. The damage estimated unknown. Two thousand and twelve, the hum. Magara Municipality, Northern Cape. The protest is 40,000 items were destroyed, including a fax computer, seven computers, educational toys, damage estimated unknown. 2013, Community Library uh, townships in uh, Pumalanga destroyed to the ground when more than mm. 100 1,000 people went to the rampage. We're coming up to news the, time. Uh, uh, what's well, right, the, what's the point? 2014. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, the, they just set a lot, burned to the ground during protests. And then they come again and say, we haven't got this. Could you please give us money? Could you please give us books for our library? And all they do is we give you books, we give you books, and they burn it down. Okay. That's Anne in uh, Cape Town. And with that, it's 8.30, time for news headlines with Vibakshni Chetty. Thank you, SK. Good morning. The Parliamentary Ad Hoc Committee set up to consider the report by President Jacob Zuma regarding security upgrades at his Nkandla private residence will today meet to consider the recommendations. And here's a wrap of this morning's top stories. There's a tight security presence at the Polokwane High Court ahead of the resumption of EFF leader Julius Malema's trial today. Malema and two co-accused face charges of fraud, corruption, money laundering and racketeering. Some of the survivors of the Nigerian church collapse in Lagos suspect foul play. They say South Africans have been targeted. And South Africa ranks fourth out of 52 countries in this year's Ibrahim Index of African Governance. This is an improvement on the country's previous ranking of fifth place last year. That's how it's looking for now. I'll be back with a full news update at nine. Traffic on SAFM. Yeah, a lot of road closures around that magistrate's court in Polokwane, Bodestein, Mark and uh, Rabi. So there will be some diverting traffic uh, through that central Polokwane and uh, CBD area today. Uh, Pretoria, traffic light, still a problem on Solomon Mishlangu at Boeing Road. So still very heavy uh, traffic queues uh, both directions too. And from the uh, Vatikluf area, if you like. Uh, elsewhere, Johannesburg this morning. Lights out on, on Deckers at Golf Club Terrace. There are some delays coming off the West Ram. Main Reef at Robertville and at Industrial traffic lights down there as well so just clogging up uh, again coming in from Rudaport or out of the top end of Soweto uh, there's also uh, been a collision on Douglas Drive near Alexandra Avenue both ways under pressure but uh, very slow coming down from Vitkoppen Road and north from Leslie Avenue traffic backing up highway uh, delays well um, it's just really the N1 that's a standout and it's quite busy this morning from the Baclou interchange driving south to William Nicholl probably a little bit worse than normal and northbound Malabongwe Drive uh, through to the Ravonia Road 
exit. Durban, all the earlier issues around Spaghetti Junction and Umgenero going northbound have all been cleared up. There was a big backlog of traffic down to the Chatsworth exit, but uh, things are starting to get a move along. Uh, in under road into Waterfall, very slow this morning. That's as you're driving sort of direction Hillcrest, if you like. And Cape Town, a crash on the N2 before Hospital Bend driving inbound means a delay that starts at about Robertson Bookway. There's a stationary vehicle at Rappenberg and then this earlier crash at Lisbeck Parkway before you get into Hospital Bend. So just after the airport, quite a heavy backlog coming in on the N2 corridor. Also a lot of lights down around Belleville. Uh, Durban Road at the N1's not working. Bill Bezadenote, Carl Cronier. Bill Bezadenote, Mountain View. Carl Cronier, the Velodrome. All of those lights down. So we'll be a little bit sticky through that Belleville area. And Potsdam Road at the N7 up at Danoon. No traffic lights working there. Rob Byrne, AM Live, Traffic Watch. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Thank you for tuning in to the Forum at 8 this morning. The question we have for you is how do we stop the misuse of state resources? This, of course, after uh, Public Works Minister Tulas Ngesi yesterday uh, spoke about uh, the staggering 34.9 billion rands uh, that was misspent by his department. And this over a period of time, of course. But nonetheless, he was still shocked by that number, as I'm sure were many other South Africans. So we are taking your calls at this point 891 SMS is to 34701 and uh, tweet or Facebook at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. I just want to, before we even uh, respond to what the callers were raising, run through the SMSs because very often we don't get the chance to do that. Uh, this one uh, from Bloemfontein says, we cannot solve it. It's the he- If the head is sick, then the whole body is also sick and our number one is corrupt. ML says, hold defaulters accountable, attack pensions, uh, personal possessions and fire defaulters immediately. Too many apologies and all is forgiven. This one unsigned says the ANC must know better. The first thing to do is to remove the corrupt head, uh, Zuma, then the rest will follow. Emmanuel Chwene says misuse of state finances happens for a reason and one of them is to put money in the pockets of corrupt politicians. This one says uh, give the guilty ones a death penalty. Uh, Another one says this has been going on for too many years. Paul Mpongo says, says uh, job well done, Minister. Surely this is the beginning of a new dawn. Heads must roll and uh, those corrupt in uh, the private and public sector must rot in jail. Mashaya in Joburg says, Sakina, there are no consequences for abuse of state funds. Dina Pule stole over six million, gave it to boyfriend and was not jailed. Malema is another one that will not be jailed. Why must I continue to pay taxes? And then this one says, it is not a positive when a minister goes to public about these malpractices and puts a clear plan on how to deal with it. Is this not a positive thing is the question. Jim Dimba says, we taxpayers are pleased when corruption takes place as we protest at court hearings whenever culprits are charged. We even vote for them. And Tony in Cape Town's uh, contribution is, by example, uh, we shall lead. Our number one uh, does not give proper leadership when it comes to mismanagement and uses his rights to account at his best and uh, this one surely the buck stops with the minister the spokesperson says the problems were already in 2010 yet losses have continued and then uh, judges lawyers and prosecutors are assisted uh, assistance to the perpetrators that's from Masere Mule and uh, final one before I get back to the panel Nick and Peter Maritzburg says the problem is that you have grossly incompetent people in charge people who should never ever be in control of 
anything. So those are some of the messages coming through. Before I get back to the lines, let's just take um, you know an opportunity to respond to what some of the callers have raised. Uh, KGM, Sabelo, uh, Mike, and Anne. Um, now the 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 issue. Uh, KGM's was very interesting, where he says if we look at the amount of money that has just been lost, we could have given every South African household, according to KGM, <laughs> one million rand. So we'd be a country of millionaires, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, maybe let me just try and clarify once more, and I think uh, Jay had made that point earlier on, what exactly irregular expenditure is and what it's, what it's not. I think that's what we need to really uh, hum on, uh, to be able to deal, to, uh, deal with KG's uh, question. One is irregular expenditure does not necessarily mean fraud. It's all inclusive of fraud, but does not necessarily mean fraud. The 34.9 billion rands, as we did indicate, is inclusive of a 1.1 billion rand, which we've ring-fenced, isolated, because we perceived that to have been fraud. We've put, taken it through a process of investigations with the SIU and all other relevant uh, investigative authorities, because those were clear you know, indications of fraud maybe having happened. That's that. The balance is irregular expenditure because technical requirements in respect of procurement systems and processes that are established were not complied with. And this could include non-compliance with the PFMA, treasury regulations, your instructions, and your own internal policies and procedures for procurement or SEM as a department. There was no compliance in terms of that. No. And these non-compliance issues can be you did not have all the documentation, you did not do a competitive bidding, you did not you know, do all of this kind of thing. I'll give you an example of what this actually entails. Let's take, for instance, uh, a, an example of construction of a police station. We want to construct a police station. We go out to procure the service provider or contractor to do the work. Instead of Advertising, according to the law, over a 21-day period, we advertise over a 19-day period. We mm-hmm. did not comply. We engage the service provider or the contractor. He constructs the police station. The community derives the value of having the police station. The department has derived value. The service has been provided. However, because we, couldn't, we did not comply with a 21-day period, instead of advertising for 21 days, we advertised for 19 days. That becomes an irregular expenditure if you do not yeah given the amounts that we are talking about though it, it seems as the as though these might be frequent occurrences and as such is it not just something that has taken root the fact that people feel that they can get away with this sort of behavior and therefore they would go on doing it well there's a plethora of contributors to this irregular expenditure one is our own processes that may not have been appropriate for the nature of our business let alone the nature of the, you know, just people issues, people having a, a disregard for processes and procedures. What we're going to be going through the next process after having identified what our problems were and the extent and depth and breadth of the problems, we're going through that process to get to that point. Who did what, when, under what circumstances? We then will isolate those issues that are we believe were as a result of a systemic problem because of the inappropriate processes that we had. Secondly, we'll then go and look at the ones, identify the ones that were just a general disregard by officials of processes and systems. That we'll also look at. Mm. But I think the point that I wanted to come back again is, and I want to leave listeners with this message, that 
34.9 billion is not lost money. Like I gave the example of the police station, the police station would be there, but the total cost of the construction of that police station would be an irregular expenditure by virtue of the fact that you did not advertise this over a 21-day period, but over a 19-day period. But as you say, there could be a plethora of reasons for that. There could be a plethora of reasons as to why people decide to embark on, you know, not doing things by the book. And um, again, for me, ultimately, it would result in something at the end of the day that should not have happened. And that is where it's at for me. But I want to talk, Jay, very quickly before I go back to the lines, um, or before I go to Jay Nkandla. Mm. Um, Mike wanted yeah, to know Ma- about Ma- Kandla, and Ma- I think Ma- many other Ma- people are Ma- raising Ma- that. Ma- is the, it included? What we've identified as irregular expenditure relating to Nkandla and fraudulent expenditure is included in this uh, 1.1 billion rands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we've identified. Uh, let me come to Sabelo's point uh, for you, Jay. <clears throat> Sabelo talks about um, the component that usually seems to go missing, and that is accountability of uh, people in the private sector, because we always seem to focus on the public sector and what's going on there. But very often, someone in the private sector is also involved. Sure. Look, we've seen definitely that uh, he makes the point well that uh, in terms of corruption, you have to have a corrupt one, a corruptee. And indeed, that takes two to tango in, in these, in these e- e- examples. What we've seen is far too few cases being brought to courts using the Prevention and Combating of Corrupt Activities Act. It's partly due to um, departments not keeping adequate records. Um, and also, we've, 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 in our experience, looking at the, the prosecution rates of the Hawks, they don't have the capacity to bring these cases to court and to pursue service providers who have, who have acted um, corruptly. Undoubtedly, uh, um, the, 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 the evidence is there, but we, we have a police force who, who, are, who don't have the, 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 the requisite capacity to actually follow through on the, 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 the cases that are, that are uh, you know, available. What we do see is the special investigating unit um, becoming involved, um, but they are responsible for civil recoveries. They don't have a criminal law enforcement mandate. Those matters have to be brought to the courts by the hawks, um, and, 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 and that's the deterrent effect that we need. It's all good and well and, and to, to recover funds that have been paid out unlawfully to a service provider who hasn't delivered adequately on their, on their contracted services. But we need, we need to certainly have criminal action taken against those so that we address both the corruptor and the corruptee. Mm. And the question we are asking, of course, is how can we stop the misuse of state resources? Here's a straightforward answer from Asogan Moodley, who says, let all tenders, bids and minutes of tender adjudication meetings be placed online. That's transparency. With that, let's go back to the lines. 891 Joseph, you're in Port Elizabeth. Good morning. Good morning, ma'am. How are you? Well, and you? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, good morning to your, to your, to your, to your guests there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Name only two points to make. Uh, the, the first point is sort of like a, a question. I, I once worked for um, a SENBI, which is an entity of the Department of Environmental Affairs, and the, the, the procurement system there is so strict that even if you have to spend beyond 5,000 rand, there is no way you can do that without following the proper channels of procuring whatever that needs to be procured. Now, my question is, how does it happen that in the government, if the government entities or the, 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 the department entities are doing it so perfectly, how, how comes that the government cannot get this thing right? 
And my second, my, my second point, man, it's also in a sort of a question. In the Eastern Cape, the Eastern Cape has, has always had these problems of mismanagement, mis- misappropriation of funds. Why don't these people get 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 account for? Why 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 they don't go to jail or something be done? Because they're wasting the taxpayers' money. I think that maybe the best thing would be for the South African public just to 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 go on strike and not pay taxes. Thank you. Mm. That's Joseph in Port Elizabeth, Solly in Cape Town. Good morning. Morning, Sakina, and to your eminent uh, guests there, good morning. Sakina, you know, when a young child that's hungry goes into a cafe and steals a bread or a sweet, he gets 30 days in jail. I mean, here not a single person has been arrested, nothing has happened. And the thing, looting just goes on and on and on, and I'm amazed that your guest can talk about advertising for 19 days. He doesn't tell you that the lease that's worth 30 million goes out for 300 million. Today we can account for every piece of money that goes out. Nobody is traced. They rather close the case. You know, you've had Limpopo with billions. You've had the health department at 1.2 billion in Kauteng. This goes on and on and on. Now, you must ask yourself the question, why did this come about? Like Bush and Blair, they lied to Congress and their parliaments to invade Iraq. All they're telling you is here that you're talking about in Kanla, 240 million. It's nothing. Look, it's 34 billion overall. This is just another glossy picture to close everything. Until not one is arrested and put in jail, this will go on and on and on. And I'd like your eminent guest there to explain. Not a single person in the department over five years has come in front to be jailed or where the money went, how was it traced. Thanks, All Sakina. right. Thank you so much, uh, Soli. Uh, let's go to Sam in Pretoria. Hi, Sam. Hi, Sakina. You know, <clears throat> that's my view. You know, it may seem you know, the biggest investment of politicians are poor people. I don't think they have got even a will to, to, to get rid of them because those people will be told and the emotions will be played around them. I'm saying this because what, what the gentleman has said now from the public court, you know, it's, it's so easy. You know, I, I'll talk now. I'm involved in construction, black construction. Now, as, 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 as more than 10 years, now, that may have so recently, the late uh, Stella was gave, you know, a good public, you know, platform to say they are going to deal with the corrupted people. They know the list. They know that. Nothing came out of it. Now, today, they don't even take us in confidence to say, look, only 300 million is, 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 is indeed done incorrectly, and these are the things, the people, and these are the consequences. Now they are playing to the gallery to say 45 billion. I don't know who are they trying to impress, because it's not helping us, because this is our party that we vote for. They need to be honest. So what they are saying is that, we, Sakina, mm-hmm. we, we do not have the truth about our government. And that's, 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 that's the point. And the right. gentleman just said, he just told us there's no capacity. You know, in the corrupted, you know, in the collusion, those people, the certificates are there. Everything is there. Our contractors, our members in Limpopo, were deregistered because they could not finish RDP houses and that. But the, those guys are still enjoying the tenders, the big tenders today. Now, you can't tell us there's no capacity. Those people are left alone. That's why now, because they're paying a lot of advertisement and they do that, nothing should happen. Now, let's, we're not going to do that. And I tell, I tell you, they'll prosecute the small guys and that thing, and they'll be the one that will pay to the color. And I can tell you now, that's exactly what is going to happen. And, and this is the party. We'll continue voting. That's it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sam, Hutato uh, in Pretoria, good morning. Morning, Sabrina. Uh, 
good morning to Cox and the, the other guests there. Sakina, one of the things that I find quite interesting is that during the time when this was happening, the department was getting unqualified audit reports. Uh, so, so, so I, I cannot see why we we cannot uh, congratulate the minister and his team and courts and all that because they they have unearthed something that was hidden, buried under unqualified audit uh, records. The, the the second question for me, the second issue is the people who then suddenly want to compare this to the private sector, and I think that is so disingenuous because if the private sector was so clean would not be having African banks, would not be having construction companies that were clearly involved in corruption. And nobody is talk- talking about us recovering the billions that they swindled us uh, 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 from. And, and my last point, again, and Cox, I think, uh, needs to mention this, is that part of the problem in the public sector, and we use terminology that is too loose. I'll give you an example. The state says you issue these contracts or tenders to the highest bid, to the lowest bidder, the one who comes with the lowest price. And people go in there, they cannot deliver because they just could not even price. Now, you have to go back again and start this process. And that is where sometimes the, the department is under pressure to deliver and corners are cut. Because even the same politicians who say this, process, this uh, program should have started two years ago, it's not happening. The civil servants are under pressure and they have to deliver quickly. And when they do not comply, we say they have stolen money. It's not always. Non-compliance is not the same as that. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. On the forum at 8 this morning, we are, of course, looking at uh, what Minister Tulas Ngaisi, the uh, Public Words Minister, was saying yesterday. And the question we are asking you is, how could we stop the misuse of state resources? Joseph, Solly, Sam, Khutato, before the break. Uh, Jay, let me start with you if you'd like to respond to any of the issues raised there. Yeah, look, it's certainly some of the observations around and and needing to take a a firmer stance against uh, public servants and ministers. Undoubtedly, the, the, the procurement framework is, is complex, and it does presuppose that departments have capacity, and in some departments they don't. And, and the problem is, is that we've had this recurrency, and that needs to be addressed. That needs to be addressed at a political level by ensuring that you have the budget and you recruit the right people. We need far less catered deployment. We need qualified, competent people fulfilling their responsibilities, and we need politicians to not put undue pressure on public servants who have to comply with the law when procuring services. But, but, but let, me, let, let me just uh, throw a spanner in the works there because mm. is cater deployment really the problem? Because cater deployment is a feature of politics the world over. It doesn't matter where you go. It, it, it makes sense for the ANC to deploy its own. Is it not rather a matter of not deploying the right people into the right positions as, to, as opposed to saying it's cater deployment that is problematic? Yeah, no, my, 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 my reference to cadre deployment assumes that you've, you've, you've put a person in a position and are not competent to fulfill those responsibilities. That's the, that's the observation that the Auditor General has been making in many provinces and at a national level, is that we have people fulfilling responsibilities that do not have the requisite skills, and they've been brought in on the instructions of, of political authorities. Okay, speaking of the Auditor General, here's something interesting raised by Tando MN on Twitter. Tando says, 
how much did this duplication of effort of the AG's report cost? Who performed it? this review and what about the internal audit uh, was it outsourced to an audit firm and uh, someone else uh, Tebocho, uh, Asfa Tebocho also raises the same issue says it means that the guys from general auditors are not doing their jobs if they did not pick up the 35 billion rand in irregular spending uh, maybe I should just respond to that uh, mm. uh, in in kind of a defense to the AG and in terms of their processes. Uh, the AG does not audit a hundred percent of all the transactions in the department. They do a sample audit. They sample from a population, and that's how it works. Otherwise, the auditor general would just as well run the department. If they have to do a hundred percent of the audit. It will take forever. It's not possible. Like any auditing, and auditing is, a, is an attest function, which is an independent check of the affairs, financial affairs of a company or a department, on a sample basis, and then you can formulate an opinion out of the outcome of what you've uncovered mm. from what you did. So it's not an, a, a checking every other transaction as it goes. You don't have internal general, auditors? Yeah. Within maybe, the department? Maybe let me just uh, complete with the Auditor General. The Auditor mm. General actually raised the issue. That's from 2009 and 10 and said, in terms of the procedures that I've applied on your irregular expenditure, I do not believe that your irregular expenditure is complete or accurate. That's from 2009. When I, start, when I spoke about the negative audit opinions, that started in 2009, and that's from the Auditor General's work that they mm. identified that there's a problem here. So in all in fairness, I think they did their work. They uncovered. That's why we actually had to go back as management and look at every transaction, not on a sample basis. Mm. Our, for our, our, our task is to look at every transaction because you have to provide an assurance that these are all... An okay. internal audit function. We have an internal audit function. They did some of the work as well in terms of uh, what we did. This was a specific engagement, it's a specific intervention because of the volumes. I mean, looking at 1.3 million transactions, you cannot do it just normally with just, you know, your internal auditors in the department. You have to beef up your capacity, get additional resources to do the work. We did it internally in the department by just bolstering our capacity to go through all those 1.3 million transactions. Mm. And, 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 you know, coming but, back to the general <coughs> perception that I'm getting from Twitter, from what Solly was saying as well, five years and he says nobody's been jailed because there seems no, to be a perception here. I, I was, was going to deal that, with that. Yeah. I was going to deal with that. Uh, I, I thought I should just latch on to what Jay was saying in terms of, you know, the, having the budget or the complexity of our SEM processes are, suppo- are presupposing that there's capacity, there are people who are well trained to do this kind of thing. And there's enough budget. And I think that's a real challenge of government. And there's been a challenge of the department itself in the prior period where we have SCM practitioners who are, who are doing SCM work, but we're not actually trained as SCM people. And mm. having to deal with this complex uh, process uh, 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 that was there, uh, the, the regime that, uh, that existed. So that really was a problem. Now, part of the turnaround, I mean, as you know, the minister called for a turnaround intervention. We put together a seven-year plan. The first two years of that seven-year plan are done. And it's a result of that, what we did in terms of the stabilization of the finance and SEM functions, that we have actually the results that we are actually giving you now, those $34.9 It is part of the efforts that we did on our own, led by the minister, to open up and be transparent and put things on the table to the public to say we are on a path 
to clean up and rectify this department. Here's the wound. Let's open it up. Let's see how terrible it is and start to apply the necessary medication to that wound. The problem so you have is that the public has heard this before. And, you know, the trust, there's a serious trust deficit between the public and, um, you know, politicians at this point and government because we've heard all of this before. I hear you, but I think, uh, you know, I mean, I think the resolve has been demonstrated. Over the past two years, there's been demonstrable evidence of the, what we want to achieve. And I think as soon as we've uh, 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 tabled our annual report in Parliament, uh, you'll see the, 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 the fruits that we are starting to enjoy from this turnaround intervention. We're out of time. Just tell Solly who's been arrested, at least one person. Give an I'll example. I'll tell you, we've got a hundred, one, one person. Uh, there's criminal case of a Pretoria Regional uh, Office official, Mrs. Kinelia Matlodi, who's facing criminal charges in a commercial crime squad. But nobody's uh, been jailed, is he? Uh, 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 DPW employee, Mr. Desmond Simamani, and property magnet uh, Syed Mia, while appearing in Joburg uh, Regional Court. Well, together, Mr. Tabo Moahi, Mr. Rushabangu issue that you know, and Mr. And Fanikerk, yeah. Yeah, and there's an official that's been uh, put, uh, uh, dismissed. Uh, there's been a lot of cases. So, in, in all fairness, there's been quite a fair amount of uh, dealing uh, with the actual consequence on, on the people who are mm. responsible. So, that that's that. Ngati, Comrade Han, Henrietta, Buipilo, Andy, everybody else who contributed this morning. Thank you so much uh, for those contributions. Unfortunately, we didn't have the time to get to all of it. And to our guest this morning, uh, Mr. Cox Mkhoro, uh, Chief Financial Officer at the Department of Public Works, as well as Jay Cruz, who is Director of the Public Service Accountability Monitor. Thanks for your time as well. And of course, uh, to the production team for making sure it all went out loud and clear.